In preparation for today's message, we shall be reading from the book of Hebrews, chapter 3, verses 1 to 6. Again, that is Hebrews, chapter 3, verses 1 to 6. Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of a heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession. He was faithful to him who appointed him, as Moses also was in all his house. For he has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, by just so much as the builder of the house has more honor than the house. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken later. But Christ was faithful as a son over his house, whose house we are, if we hold fast our confidence and the boast of our hope firm until the end. We shall continue our series on Hebrews. Christ greater than Moses. For us in this time and age, we know this. But during that time, the Hebrew believers were being challenged and recruited back to Judaism. Therefore, the author of Hebrews had to explain that Christ is greater than the prophets, is greater than the angels. He is actually God and the Son of God. But now he's coming closer to the heart of Judaism, a man called Moses. He was instrumental in bringing the law, or God used him to bring the law to Israel. The author of Hebrews declared that Christ Jesus is the Son of God, who is eternal, and that he is God. Furthermore, the writer stated that Christ is the apostle and high priest of our confession. Now, let that sink in. These two things mentioned, the apostle and high priest. Now, Christ as the apostle has been somehow, since chapter one, that has been elaborated. But as a high priest, you will find this discussed in the next few chapters. Let's read verse 1 once again. Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession. Let us not forget those two things. These are titles of Christ the apostle of our confession, and the high priest of our confession. Now, what is an apostle? An apostle in today's lingo is an ambassador, somebody who is sent to represent a sovereign. An ambassador represents his sovereign. His sovereign is his country, which could be the king, or if a democracy, the people, led by the president or a prime minister. So an apostle is an ambassador. Christ is the ambassador of heaven concerning the salvation of humankind. Moreover, he is also the high priest. Uh, 
Now, a high priest comes to God on behalf of the people. When we studied Exodus, we discovered this. The high priest comes to God on behalf of the people to offer sacrifices. Now, Christ, look at this. These two titles of Christ, Christ as an ambassador or an apostle, represents heaven to man for the salvation of man, yet he is also a high priest who represents man to heaven. Kumbaga, wala ka nangahanapin pang iba. In the earlier part of the letter, the writer explained that Christ is greater than the prophets and the angels. Forgive me for sounding like a broken record because some things are so important that we have to keep repeating. And in fact, the message, the main message of the Father is already found in the Son, the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why we are no longer looking for a new message. There is no Third Testament that's coming. There is no new prophecy that is different or, or against the message of the Son. The author further exposited, meaning he explained, that Christ is more excellent than Moses. And that is our discussion today. Now, Moses is the most respected figure or some might disagree with me, but we can safely say one of the most respected figures in Jewish history. Some would say Abraham is the greatest, but Moses could be the most respectable in the sense that you somehow have to fear him a little bit. In a way, for the Jew, there is none like Moses. But for the disciples of Christ... There is none like Jesus. There is none like Jesus. Point number one, Christ more glory than Moses. Now, both Christ and Moses were faithful in their respected houses, respective houses. Christ to the church and Moses to Israel. But Christ has more glory than Moses. Because God created both houses, the church and Israel. Now, let's read verses 2 to 4 of Hebrews chapter 3. He was faithful to him who appointed him, as Moses also was in all his house. For he has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, speaking about Christ. By just so much as the builder of the house has more honor than the house. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. God built both Israel and the church. And then within the context of what we've been discussing, but Christ is the son of God and Christ is also God. No one will object. Moses was faithful to the house of Israel. No one will object that. Moses led Israel from slavery out of Egypt. Then God made a covenant with Israel on Mount Sinai. 
It was Moses who received the tablets of the covenant. Moreover, God instructed Moses. He was instrumental in building the tabernacle, God's dwelling place on earth, in the midst of his nation, Israel. Now, Christ was also faithful to the point of death on a cross. Through his death and resurrection, a new nation emerged. And this nation, take note, is not a geopolitical nation. It's not like Philippines or the United States of America or Great Britain or Malaysia or China. This is not a geopolitical nation, but a gathering of people, an assembly of people composed of all who believe in him and follow him, inclusive of both Jews and Gentiles. The new nation is called the church. The church is not the building, as it is commonly known today. It is not a building, nor is it a religious order. In the Bible, it means a community of believers. You would see in the writings of the New Testament authors, something like this. Greet the church in your house. <laughs> it's like, what? If you think of a church as a building, and then you read in the New Testament, greet the church in your house, how will you interpret that? You have to interpret it in how they used the word before, during that time, not the way we use the word now. And that's how to study the Bible. We cannot force our own culture or opinion on the Bible. First, we study what it meant during their time, in their history, in their culture, in their language. We study that first before we answer the question, how does that apply to us? And the very structure of how we preach to you, our sermons is designed that way. First, we explain what it meant before. Not what I immediately think about it, because you will be led to error or mistake, because you cannot force yourself. So if you think the church is a building, and the author writes, greet the church in your house, then you are lost. But if you know that the meaning of the word church is a community of believers, so we can greet people assembled in, in the name of Christ. That's why we call our house communities with two or three families gathering like a house church because it's a community. Now going back, Christ has more glory than Moses because Christ built both houses. And the one who builds the house is greater than the servant in charge of the house. Moses was in charge of the house, but he did not own the house. Some of you here who own houses or your homes, even if you have a caretaker over that home, you still own that home. You and your children have the right to that home. And even if your children do not, did not even help, does, do not even help clean the house, they have the right over that house because they are your children. Moses was a servant who took care of the house of Israel, but Israel belonged to God, and Christ is the Son of God. Now, you can even say that 
Christ built the house. Israel, because Christ is God. So we can say pre-incarnation. What is pre-incarnation? The eternal word of God existed as God. The eternal word of God is Christ. But he was not kept called Christ, nor was he called the Son of God. He was known as God, and he was known as the Word. In John chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The play of words describing the Trinity, one in being, but three in persons. The Father, the Son, and the Spirit. But he was not yet known as the Son before he was born on earth. The title Son of God was given to him. If you would recall, we quoted that verse when an angel spoke to Mary and said to her, He shall be called the Son of God. But before that, he was not called the Son of God. He was pre-incarnate. He was God. So coming to the form of man, he humbled himself. The person in the, one of the persons in the Trinity humbled himself to humble himself before the others. Took the form of man. So please do not in your mind think that Christ, the Son, is subordinate to the Father because he is the Son. Pre-incarnate, before that, they were equal. And when he sat down at the right hand, it's a term that we humans would understand, or the humans during that time understood, meaning he, see, he was seated in the seat of highest authority and execution. That is the right hand during those times. So when we say the Son of God and God, please do not say, oh, because he's just the Son and he's subordinate to God the Father. That was made for us to understand on how we should relate to the Father. But the Word is eternal. And remember what we quoted, okay, when we read Psalm chapter 8, God said to His Son, you are God. What does that mean? It's equality. Now, let's go to the second point, that Christ was the faithful son, Moses the faithful servant. Moses was faithful as God's servant who took care of the house of Israel, but Christ was faithful as God's son. You see, this is not just a son who is a spoiled brat who has a right to the house. Of course, sometimes we have children like that. They don't help, but because they're your children, they're still in the house. But this one was a faithful son. And if you have faithful children, you are blessed, especially those who help you out and concerned about you as well. Now, he was a faithful son who took care of God's house, the church. Again, the church is not a building, but an assembly of the sanctified. Let's read verses 5 and 6. Now, Moses was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken later. What does that mean? What Moses did was a foreshadowing of what was to come, the coming of Jesus Christ. But Christ was faithful as a son over his house. Take note whose house we are. So he, the writer of Hebrews is saying, we are the house of Christ. 
Again, it's about people coming together who believe in Jesus Christ. It's about people who submit to one another, who submit to the Word of God together. If we hold, but there's a condition, we are His house if we hold firmly, or in this translation, hold fast our confidence and the boast of our hope firm until the end. What is the boast of our hope? Of course, Christ Jesus. Um, I'd like to ask you, do you boast in the Lord? Or are you ashamed of the Lord? In modern culture, if you say, thank the Lord, thank God, or praise the Lord Jesus Christ, or praise God, and then people will think you weird. Now, because of peer pressure, you might be forced to be ashamed of the gospel. And if you are ashamed of the gospel, let me warn you, Christ is there with you watching every move you make. Whether you are ashamed of Christ or not, he knows. Now, Moses, God's servant, was faithful to the things which prepared the coming of the Son, but the Jewish people did not understand that. That the ceremonial law was a shadow of things to come, as we studied in Exodus. If you were not able to follow us in Exodus, I encourage you to go to gcfnaga.com. We have a we have a collection of our sermons there. Or if you want to review, just go back there and, and go back to the discussion of Exodus. How beautiful, especially the tabernacle was, as a shadow of who Christ is. And a lot of us have experienced that beauty when we studied it. So now Christ is God's son, faithful until death. Now the Lord Jesus experienced temptation in every way, but he did not sin. He experienced suffering under Roman torture. He died and he rose again. Now he fulfilled the role of the apostle by delivering to us the message of the gospel and dying for it. And him being the message, him being the package, him being the sacrifice was sent to earth. He was faithful, but he is also our high priest. So if ever you sin, but you must hate sin, if ever we sin, we can ask forgiveness. We can confess our sins because we trust that he, as a high priest, continues to represent us. As long as you're truly following him, do not have this attitude that, well, it's okay to sin because I'll just ask forgiveness later. You know, he's a loving God. Oh, if you think that way, now I have a question mark if you are truly a believer. Because a true believer cannot think that way. Should not think that way. Third, hold on to Christ. True believers belong to God's house, the church. Now, if you are a true believer, you belong to the community of God's people. That's why I do not believe in Lone Ranger Christians. And how do we solve that as a growing church? When the church was starting, I was asking the founders, some of our elders here, when the church was starting here in Naga, it was a small community that everybody knows everybody. And, And that was a stage, and it's a wonderful stage. That's why if you belong to a startup in like a house church or church planting, that is one of the most exciting stages. Everybody knows everybody. 
However, because we are faithful to the mission, the church will grow. And when the church grows, that element of intimacy or knowing one another gets lost. So how do we solve that? We solve that through small groups. A growth group, that's why we encourage everybody, please be part of a growth group. A small group of believers meeting, 8 to 12 people probably, but sometimes some of us extend that number. That's fine as long as everybody's taken care of. But as we connect with one another, we listen to one another. We encourage one another. We learn together. If you have no care on that, then I'm concerned about you. Why? He makes a connection. The author makes a connection between holding on to Christ and being part of his house. Let's read verse 6. But Christ was faithful as a son over his house, whose house we are if we hold fast our confidence and the boast of our hope firm until the end. There is a connection between, between holding to our confidence and being part of his house. So if you're the type, I don't want to talk to anybody and I just want to be alone. And I don't want to open up for others to pray for me because I'm ashamed. What you do not know, that all of us are experiencing something similar. Not the same. Nobody's the same. But something similar to what you are experiencing. And some of us may be just passive. It's not my personality. Like me, I am an introvert. Although my exams in personality would bring me to the middle, an X. Um, means I'm extrovert, introvert. I think it depends on how I wake up. <laughs> but meaning, when I'm with people, I'm happy with people. I can engage people. At first, I'm not comfortable, but after I try to get to know them. You see, the point of trying to get to know them is the point that is so uncomfortable for me. But I just keep in my mind, but when I break through a certain level that we learn to accept one another, that will be the enjoyable part. But then the other part of me is, I'm happy to be alone. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't want to, I'm not shooing you away. If you want prayer, send me a message. I will pray for you. And I enjoy meeting uh, in, in growth groups or visiting you at times. But I prefer a lot of times to be alone. I find my strength when I am alone. But then because I know God's word, my I have to get out of my comfort zone and connect with the others. Why? Because that is what God's word says. What I feel is secondary to what the word of God commands me. And that's how we mature as believers. When our own feelings and opinions and emotions become secondary to the word of God. And at times I would feel like, sometimes I don't feel like going to church. But I can't do that. I have to preach, right? <laughs> you think you're the only one who feels that way? I feel that way sometimes. I wake up, oh my, my body hurts. I just want to sleep. But because this is God's house, once I am here, I'm already happy I was here. 
and I praise God I was here. So now there's an important principle here that you belong to the house of God or you belong to Christ if you hold on until the end. And that we believe, and it's called the perseverance of the saints. You are truly saved if you persevere until the end. There's a debate. Can a Christian lose his salvation or not? I have a very strong opinion in that. However, the first debate should be this. What is a true believer? What is true and false Christianity? First, you have to answer that according to Scripture. And Christianity is not simply saying a sinner's prayer or belonging to a membership of a church. It is about genuine repentance, genuine faith, and truly following Christ, Jesus our Lord. We are justified by faith alone, but that faith is never alone. But one key, if you are truly chosen by God, you will persevere until the end. Now, how others don't persevere. How do we handle that? Some of them were never believers from the start. And that is such in the, in the congregation among the Hebrews. That some of them have been part of that community, but haven't totally surrendered their life to Jesus Christ. But they're there regularly. They know what is being taught, but they never come to the point of saying, Lord, I surrender my life to you. They never come to the point of saying, forgive me of my sins. But not just my sins, specific sin. Forgive me for lying yesterday, Lord. Forgive me for lustful thoughts the other day. Forgive me for saying such bad things against my parents. Forgive me for judging this person. It's that specific. It's not just, forgive me for all my sins. Forgive you for what? Can you imagine a friend or relative comes to you, will you forgive me? And you ask, for what? For everything. For what? For everything. Everything what? I don't even know what you've done. Now, Christ knows what we have done, but if you're truly sincere, you will specify it. Now, if you truly hold on, you see, a true believer has made a full surrender of life. He belongs to Christ. So whatever happens, he has made up his mind already. Those who haven't made up their minds, I'm advising you, surrender to Jesus Christ. Because the first sign of trouble, you'll fall away because you've never been true from the start. But you look true. Remember the parables in the New Testament where, for example, the ten virgins... Remember that story? Five, they were all waiting for the bridegroom. I think he was late, caught in traffic, or there was a lockdown, all right? And the five, because they didn't have, they were not prepared, they didn't have oil. Please, do not make that about the Holy Spirit, all right? There's no clue that that's about the Holy Spirit. What's clear in the parable is that they were not prepared. They were not prepared for the coming of the bridegroom. And when the bridegroom enters, closes the door, the other five were late. And they said, open, please open, we just bought something. And the bridegroom said, sorry, I've closed it already, you cannot join. Such is the custom of that time. The key is being prepared. So right now, are you prepared if you die? 
If Christ comes right now, are you prepared? If judgment day for you is tomorrow, if judgment day for us is tomorrow, are we prepared? Let's make it closer. After the service, after the service, you die of something. I don't know. Death is weird. Death is weird. There are some deaths that are not weird. You expect them to die because of old age and sickness. But some deaths are really weird. It's just, you know, try to do a study on unusual deaths. Try to search that online and you'll be surprised. Like this particular death, this woman died safe in her house, cooking in her kitchen, very safe. How did she die? There is a small plane being piloted by a student who crashed on her house. I mean, that's one of the weirdest deaths. I mean, what's the probability that it's your house, right? But did it happen? It did happen. So are you prepared or will you hold on until the end? Because if you're, your mentality is, I hold on to Christ until the end, no matter what the temptation is, then praise be to God. Application, trust in Christ alone. Christ is both the apostle and the high priest of our confession. He represents heaven to us, and he represents us to heaven. What does that mean? He is the perfect mediator. Anong mediator? Yung sumasagit na para ayos yung dalawang party. Remember, God's justice and wrath and anger because of sin. Yet, in the same way, God is also love. So, he, they made a way for God's mercy to come without denying Him the justice. Because God should never be unrighteous. So, through the death of His Son, a righteous death that covered the sin of man, He became the perfect mediator. Thus, we look to Christ alone and no one else. Please. We trust in Him alone. Why should we trust in another? Will you trust in another person for your salvation? For your soul? Nobody else died for you. Nobody else. Only Christ. Not the saints. No one died for you except Christ. And even if they died for you, they're unworthy to pay for your sins. Nobody is worthy to pay for our sins except Christ. Who can better represent God than the Son? And who can represent us better than the Son who became man like us? Defeated the devil and death as man. Tempted in every way like us. Suffered like us. But without sin. We trust in Christ alone for our salvation. Please do not insult Christ. It's an insult to say that Moses is greater than Christ. Or even equal. You cannot even put them equal. Nobody is equal. So, point number two in application. We glorify Christ above Moses. We praise God for the faithfulness of Moses. In stewarding the house of Israel, the nation God chose to birth the son. Israel. Yet we must put into perspective that Christ is God. Thus, Christ is greater than all. We respect Moses and we respect the other men of God and women of God. We do. 
but no one is greater than Christ. And our words show it. Our actions show it. Our minds show it. So if you thank somebody for salvation, it's an insult to Christ and to God to thank somebody else. Christ is the only begotten Son of God. Moses was God's servant. The same way every apostle, every actor in the New Testament, every character in the New Testament there were good characters and bad characters. But even the good characters, we cannot exalt them higher than Christ. Let me say this. Christ is greater than Mary. And many will say that. However, their actions will betray it. Their words will betray it. So who do you thank for salvation? You thank Christ or her? We respect her for her role, but she did not in scripture save you. The apostles did not pray to her. Peter did not pray to her. Paul did not pray to her. You can see in the whole New Testament, she is not honored the same way our culture honors her. We must respect her. We must honor her in some way, but not even close. When you are blessed, what do you say? Thank God, praise God, or salamat kay blank. And that is dangerously insulting the Son of God. And you think, no, he won't be insulted because that's his mother. You're humanizing him too much. Remember, he was eternal, then he became man. He was eternal before do not push it too much to humanize Christ. He is exalted. We cannot use our own analogy to create meaning that the scripture did not give us meaning or explanation. There was no instruction. Now, even, now let's apply that in our local context, meaning our church community. We thank one another. I thank you a lot, a lot of you brothers and sisters. I sense our community, our fellowship, our love for each other. Of course, we are growing into it. Of course, if we don't know you too much, where there's not enough engagement, we have to grow into it. But to those that have welcomed us here since five or six years ago until to today, we appreciate the love and concern, and we hope that we have reciprocated in the name of the Lord. However, let us not glorify one another. However, let us not elevate one another beyond. The Bible said, honor to whom honor is due, but never beyond that. Why? Only he gets the glory. Now, let me teach you. If you appreciate, I put a lot of work into my sermons, and I praise God that a lot of you appreciate it. But if you are going to speak to me, let me give you the words. Pastor, to God be the glory. I truly glorify God alone for how he used you today. That's putting it in perspective. Is that understood? Of course, if you appreciate me, I smile at you. Alangan naman sumimangot ako sa'yo, no? Ina-appreciate mo na nga. 
I smile, but in my heart I am uncomfortable. I am uncomfortable. We should respect one another, but we should not glorify one another. We should not overpraise one another. Christ gets the glory all the time. Is that clear? Can you give me a thumbs up? Amen, Pastor. We got that. So please do not elevate any pastor here. Of course, I advise every leader do not absorb. Wakang sobrang maniwala. Galing po talaga. Wakang sobrang maniwala sa ganyan. No, baka mapukpukan ng Holy Spirit. Ano? No, masakit yon pag pinukpukan na. And lastly, we have to belong to His house until the end. We should belong to Christ's house, His community of believers where we can grow together and submit to each other in Christ. And some people are not comfortable with this. They want to belong to the house of God without necessarily allowing people to love them. To love them means two things. To encourage you to serve one another, encourage one another, serve one another. And you know what the third? Correct one another. This part people don't like. That's why they don't like groups. They don't want their lives to be seen. Because they're ashamed. Let me give you news. Every one of us has something to be ashamed of. And that is human life. That is our depravity. We are sinners. We look decent outside, but if we tell each other our really bad things we've done in our past, we, it, it's very shameful. And you're not alone to think that way. Of course, some of us do not need to hide it because you became so prominent during your sinful days. But some of us, we have this image of a good boy and good girl. But in Christ, my friends, you need a small group which you can trust. We teach our small groups never to gossip. We don't like that. I don't like hearing gossip. I stop people. Why are you saying that to me? Is that relevant? Does that help the church community? Have you done Matthew 18 by correcting this person? If it's a sin. If it's not a sin, it's a different issue. But I encourage you to be part of a community because that's how we grow. And the community protects us. Why? Because we meet every week. Somehow, when you are tempted during the week, you remember you have brothers or sisters you'll have to meet and you will not have what? The conscience to face them if you continue in your sin. So that is somehow a help. Now, if we had bad experience before with people, and that's part of, of human interaction, the same way with your own brothers and sisters in your own house. Either you learn to get along, you learn to be patient with one another, you learn give and take, or you will have a miserable family. Either you learn that or that. That's the same in church. We learn that. We learn from you. I adjust to you. You adjust to me. We adjust to one another. It's not, this is who I am. Take it or leave it. Okay, leave it, man. It should always be, I learn to adjust to the Bible, to the scriptures, and I learn to adjust to my brothers and sisters, and they learn to adjust with me. And it's a process. Honestly, some of you have been here for a long time. I am sure if I ask you to be honest with me, are there people you don't like here? Oh, I hope you know somebody you don't like because 
If you don't have anybody, you haven't been making an effort to connect. But then if you're honest, yes, pastor, there's some. That's part of humanity. But what do you, how do you deal with it? But then the command of Christ overtakes what you feel. But that is real. There are some people you're not comfortable with. But the command of Christ is real. Which is what? Love one another as I have loved you. And it's a learning process. You learn to give love and receive it as well. But it's not, please, love in scripture is serving one another. Love is being patient, being kind. It's not that touchy-feely, emotionally feely all the time. If you think that is love, that's what I'm talking about. Scripture is about learning patience with one another. Okay? And yes, I have to be honest with you, I'm your pastor. And uh, one thing that my, I believe my wife witnessed in my life is my improvement in terms of patience. And I think this is the church which I am most patient in all my life. In the several churches that we pastored, uh, I think she would witness this is the most patient ever. But do forgive me because, yes, you do test my patience sometimes. But I try not to show it. I only show it if you belong to the staff because I'm also your boss, right? But if you're a member, I deal with it internally. I said, Lord, love is patient. Love is patient. Love is patient. Where is my patience tested? If you don't study scripture, if you go to the default setting of a dangerous teaching, if you go to the default setting of tradition rather than scripture, if you don't mind accuracy, you're always going to the Christian cliches. You know, Christian cliches? Uh, God will not give you anything that's too difficult for you. That's a Christian cliche. And that's not always accurate. There's somewhat sounds true, but not accurate. Oh, happy wife, happy life. There is some truth, but not accurate. Uh, how, do you, how are you saved? Just make him your Lord and Savior. Some truth, but not accurate. You cannot make him Lord. He is already Lord. Some truth, but none. But these are Christian cliches. And that tests my patience with a lot of you. Now, when I say uh, it was the gospel was preached this way, and I proved it in scripture, and then suddenly, suddenly somebody, oh, I don't agree. because. And then if I ask them, have you studied carefully? How much have you read about the context and the study? Hindi, tinatamaran They go back to the default setting, but they're too lazy to study it. So what do they do? They just call one verse after another without even studying its context. No, brothers, you, you throw an opinion, it's backed up by context. Otherwise, listen and learn. Be humble to learn. Ah, but God is good. I love you, brothers and sisters. Be patient with me too. Are you, can I ask you to some patience? And you... I will give you my patience. Only by the grace of God we can do this. But that is church community. We learn, we grow. But it's never the perfect utopia for all of us. So, my brothers, do not be a friend of the world or be influenced by the world's thinking. Be influenced by Scripture. And hopefully, through the Christian community, we grow together in thinking scripturally. 
that our mindset is biblical rather than earthly or worldly. The problem is when there is a church, but we think more like the world in everything or in many things. If you think like the world in choosing your future wife, then you will have problems, I'm sure. Doesn't mean you won't have problems in if you choose according to the Bible, but if you followed Christ, there is more harmony internally compared to if you follow the way of the world. How we choose our careers are very much like the world. Yan ang malaking income dyan ka. Rather than really praying what is God's will for us and looking at our past, looking at what has given us, God has given us as our strengths and weaknesses, and following through on that, we just follow the trend. The problem, if we think like the world instead of scriptures, and that's why we need the community, because if you think you're always right, then that is dangerous. You know, real students of scripture, when somebody tells me, Hey, I heard you preach. Can we talk about it? Now, I really appreciate if they can shed more light. If they studied something I did not and helps make me more accurate, I am not offended. I appreciate my family who studies and sometimes would call my attention to help me become more accurate. So friends, the house of God is important. But hey, we must hold on to Christ until the end. If you hold on to the message, the gospel, and you hold on to the body of believers, then what? You can say that you belong to him. So we must hold on, and I'd like to share it to you again. A poem called Hold On. Hold on to Christ. Hold on firmly. Don't give in to anxiety. Don't give in to fear, to turn back, even if you feel so much lack. Christ is much greater than Moses. Moses cannot save, it's hopeless. But through Christ is our salvation. He ushered in the new nation. To Christ alone we give glory, not to Peter, Paul, and Mary. For none of them justified us, so we proclaim solus Christus. No Christ as revealed by scripture, by grace see the divine picture. Christ alone, through faith alone, no one else could our sins atone. Thus we glorify only him, Christ the Lord who died for our sin. Thus no other name shall we raise. Only Christ Jesus shall we praise. Let us all rise. Lord, thank you for your message. May we learn to trust in Christ alone, the apostle and high priest of our confession. Our confession that the Son of God suffered, died, and rose again from the dead. Because of our sins, He paid for our sins. He atoned for our sins, and He was the only one worthy because He became man and He did not sin. He received the wrath of God upon His physical body, yet gloriously resurrected. 
in a glorified body. Teach us to hold on to the confession of faith that there is forgiveness in repentance. And that repentance, a change of mind, also means to believe in Him and to turn away from our wicked ways. For we are justified by faith alone, in Christ alone, through faith alone, for the glory of God alone, according to the Scripture alone. Bless your people. Encourage us to hold on no matter what the temptation is. Teach us to see how great Christ is, that we cannot neglect this great salvation and get into the temporary pleasures of the world. We reject the world and the temptations thereof. Yet we are in the world, yet we live according to the word of God. Be glorified in our lives, we pray. Protect your people always in Jesus' name. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of His Spirit be with you all. And God's people say, Amen. Good morning.